Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. God is so good. God is faithful. God is faithful. There's a sweet presence in this place. So I greet you this morning. Good morning. I'm Pastor Donald. I'm the young adults teaching pastor here at the Building Christian Fellowship. It's an honor and a pleasure and a privilege to be here before you guys this morning um, at such a time as this. Uh, God is faithful. I can't say it enough. I can't. I can't. I can't reinforce that to you, but God is faithful. He never leaves anything undone. He's going to finish what it is that he started. Amen. This morning, I want to talk to you about pro-vision. Pro-vision. All right. And so, uh, you know, it's funny, just to, just to kind of let you guys know, some of you guys that, that might be new here, um, our, our senior pastors are not here because our senior pastor is uh, awaiting a heart transplant. And uh, God has been supernaturally sustaining him on this journey. He's been supernaturally sustaining him for quite some time. And uh, now it's coming closer to the finish line of him crossing over into his miracle and receiving his heart. And uh, of course, we know that the devil ain't happy about that. Kasusun was, was doing fine all by itself in and of itself before this church came along and wanted to impact the community and, and, and let them know that there is a God who lives in the earth through his people and wants to change lives and, and, and change destinies. Amen. And so the devil ain't happy about it. And, um, you know, what's what's funny about it is that, you know, if, I don't know how many of you guys out there. I'm not I'm not really a poker player, but I, I know a little bit about the game. But, uh, you know, there, there's not there's not anything that uh, the, the, the enemy can throw at God and make him, uh, you know, uh, wince. God got the coldest poker face there is in the game. We got the God of miracles. We got the God who, 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 who not only makes all things new, but he causes dead things to live. And so when the, when the enemy uh, came in and, and, and sin came in and brought death with it, you know, he threw it on the table and, and, and uh, he, he challenged God. And God said, well, you know what? It's all good. He says, he says I, I see your death and your sin and I'll raise you a son and a resurrected king because you can't do nothing about that. I'll call your bluff. We got the God of miracles. And so I want to talk about provision today. Provision. I'm reminded of a story. I don't like to refer to it as a story, but I, I like to refer to these as events. When we're reading the Bible, we're not reading stories. It's not, it's not a novel. It's not um, some, some book of fiction, but it's actually a document, a document that is living, a living document. 
Right. If you know that the word is living, is it's living on the, it should be living on the inside of us if we are believers, right? And so it's a living document, and it's a it's a historical document. And so I'm brought to to this passage this morning as I talk about provision, and it's Genesis chapter 22. And if you can remember and recall this in your mind, some of us that attended Sunday school growing up, we knew about this passage very well. And, and in Genesis chapter 22. It reads like this. It says, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as your burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Verse three, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. Can we say law and pause and think on that real quick? Can we pause and think about that for a moment? Abraham gets a call from God and God says, go to Moriah, to the mountain that I will show you, and you're going to offer your son Isaac as a burnt offering unto me, your only son, the son that you love. Does this sound like a familiar story? And so when Abraham goes off on his journey and they get to, 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 to the place, they get to the general area where he's about to go and fulfill what God has required of him, he tells his servants that me and the boy are gonna go on to worship, stay here with the donkeys, while we go worship and we will come back to you. Does, is, is there something that's missing here? Did, did, I, did I miss something? At the fact that you're going to sacrifice your son, but you just told them that me and the boy are going to worship, but we'll be back. What I need you guys to see here is, is prophecy. It's the first prophecy. Why? Because faith prophesies. It proclaims the word of God even when it can't see it in the moment. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hope is not hope if we can see what it is that we hope for. Verse 6, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. Are y'all seeing this? He took the wood and put it on his son. He took the wood and put it on his son. Then he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. Something that we need to see is that 
Everything that we see in the Old Testament is a foreshadowing of what we see in the New Testament. It's a foreshadowing and a foretelling of Jesus, the Savior, the only begotten son to come. Right. And so here it is. We're seeing that Abraham. Who is who is in covenant with God, the miracle working God, that he is to go and sacrifice his son unto God as a burnt offering. And so they've gotten to the place. They have everything that they need. And now a dialogue comes about. As Isaac and Abraham go to worship. Verse seven, it says, but Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, I need you guys to listen closely. Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together. My son, God will provide himself a lamb. God will provide himself a lamb. Do you realize that this is another prophecy? They're, they're on this short little journey. They've, they've only arrived to this area just for a short little bit of time, and already the spirit of prophecy has come upon Abraham twice. Something else that we need to observe in this is that there is a oneness between the father and the son here. Just like when we heard Jesus talk about in the Gospels where he says that I and the father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the father because they are in tune with one another. Here it is that we see this illustration with Abraham and Isaac. Where Abraham knows that he's going to sacrifice Isaac and Isaac knows that his father and he are going to make a sacrifice Isaac is just not aware of what the sacrifice is supposed to be. But whatever it is, he's with it. My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Something that you have to understand is that this is not a, a, a one-time event or one-time occasion. Abraham was in the practice of making sacrifice. That was a way of life for him. This is a part of his covenant and his, and his relationship with God. And, in, and as any good father, he shows his son, this is the way that we, this is what we do. This is what we're about. This is how we do. So Isaac's not new to this. Why? Because you hear in his, in his, in his dialogue with his father, he's like, hey, Pop, we got the wood, we got the fire. Where's the, where's the, where's the lamb for the offering? Where is it? And so he trusts his father's response that God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. Verse nine, and they came to this place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Can we can we pause there for a second? Isaac is of age where he can make his own decisions. He's at the age of accountability. He knows what's going on. He sees what's happening and he's so submitted. 
to the father that he lets his father bind him up. Not only did he, did he do that, but he helped his father get everything in order and place it where it needed to go and prepare everything. And allowed his father to bind him. And place him. Where the lamb should go. I don't know about you guys, but these are just pretty much the, the bullet points that I got growing up in, in, in Sunday school. That, that Abraham was an old man. He had a son. His son's name was Isaac. Abraham and Isaac one day ended up having to be put in this predicament where God wanted Isaac to be sacrificed unto him. And that Abraham's like, all right, I'm with it. I'll go do it. And they go both, go, both go on this like little like camping like trip and they go and build an altar. And then Isaac is, is about to be sacrificed. But now all these years later that I'm older and I'm a father, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine that something that I've waited for my whole life. I've waited for a promise and I see the promise fulfilled. And God says, yeah, I need you to give that up. I need you to I need you to utterly destroy that so it can be consumed by me. You will be the instrument of its destruction. Can you imagine that that as they're walking, that that they may not be walking side by side, that maybe Abraham's walking up this mountain a little bit, a little bit reluctantly. Walking up this mountain with his son close behind. And he doesn't he dare not want to make eye contact with his son because he knows what it, what's about to be required of him. That his knees weren't quite as strong as they normally were when they'd be making the trek to go and make a sacrifice. Because of the agony that he feels inside, because he knows that this is his only son whom he loves and God is requiring him to make a sacrifice. Could you imagine how his heart sunk into his stomach when Isaac asked him the question? Father, where's the sacrifice? Abraham knew what the sacrifice was to be. Can you imagine in his mind that he was actually probably having a dialogue with God silently in his, in, in, within himself? Like, God, what am I supposed to say to this boy if he asks me, where's the sacrifice? What am I going to say to my wife? Y'all know Sarah was, Sarah was something else. You should have, I, I, I challenge you to go back about three or four chapters prior and look at how she went off on him for doing what it was that she told him to do. So his son is laid on the wood, prepared to be the sacrifice. I can't imagine the, the tension and the, the, the emotion. I can't, I can't imagine 
that, that both of them weren't fighting to hold back tears if tears aren't gushing by this point, when both of them know exactly what is about to happen. And that God is well within his rights to require it. You see, that's, that's the problem with a lot of us. We don't, we don't think that God is allowed to require things like that from us. We don't think that God is well within his rights to require a sacrifice. Of us? But when we recognize what our nature is, when we recognize that, that, that we, are, we are sinful by nature, that all of us deserve to be on that altar, that God is well within his rights to require such a sacrifice. Verse 10, and it says, And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Verse 11, but, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, so he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Verse 13, then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Can I, can I, can. <laughs> I don't know how Pastor John's heart's going to get there. I don't know if Abraham and Isaac just overlooked this ram that happened to be over there because it said it was behind him. It means he walked past him to get there. I don't know how Pastor John's heart is going to get there, but I believe it's there. Yeah. Behind him was a ram in the thicket. Can I say something to you? I'm not going to lie to you. Things look dark right now. Things look dismal right now. It might be that he's laid on the porch of death. But the butt is coming. The butt is coming. Because we serve the God of miracles. We serve the God of miracles. Yesterday I was I was meditating on this message, and, I'm, and, and I normally don't really listen to music and stuff while I'm doing it, but I happened to be listening to music yesterday. And I was listening to uh, Maverick City, You Have My Heart. I was listening to You Have My Heart. And as I was listening to it, I heard the Lord say, 
and, I, and, and I'm not one to be like, oh, I heard God say this, or I'm not one of them. So don't group me in with them. <laughs> but I heard God say, I'm singing this over John right now. No, no, what you need to understand is, is that that song is a song being sung to God, that God, you can have my heart. If you want it, you got it. You can have my heart. But God was saying to, no, I'm singing this to John. I'm singing, John, you can have my heart. You want it, you got it. You can have my heart. I said, okay, okay, God. So this morning, as we're getting ready for service and we're, we're, we're at the house getting ready and we're coming, we, we hopped on, on the phone with, with Pastor Kaya. And like normally I, I, I didn't think nothing of it. I'm like, you know, whatever about my, my encounter yesterday. I'm like, whatever. And, and I felt like the Lord was like, share, share, share what it was that, that yesterday when he was listening to the song with Kaya. Share, share with Kaya. I was like, all right. So I said, hey, Kaya, you know what was funny is yesterday I was, I was listening to the song, and then she, and like, she stopped. And she was like, she was like, oh my God. She, she, so, I, so I finished telling her, I said, I said, Kaya, I said, I was listening to the song, and God told me that he was singing that over, over Pastor. He was singing the song over Pastor, and she, holding back tears, tells me that, you know, yesterday, when he had heart trouble, and his defibrillator went off. I don't know if you know what that means. That means like when your heart is dying, the defibrillator goes off to shock it back to life. That he that when it shocked him back and he came back, that he told me that he heard music. And later when the doctor was gone, she asked him, what, what, did, what did you hear? He said, I heard, oh, oh, you can have my heart. You can. Look, look, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to happen. But I know his life is in God's hands. And the end of his days is not our business, but it's God's business. I don't know anywhere in scripture where it says that he's the God of coincidence. So all you theologians out there that know the Greek and Hebrew that want to tell me that that that, that God doesn't speak to people like that. You know, you go ahead and hold on to that. But as for me, I believe that, that God honors your offering, your sacrifice. And in a moment of me offering my time and, and, and giving my sacrifice to God to be in a place of worship, that God gives me that. And then gives a confirmation this morning. I'm not even knowing that that's what's going on. But I'm going to hold on to it. Like I said, Abraham was in the practice of making sacrifices and giving offerings. So much so because he knew it was, it was a sign of his relationship with God. 
And a lot of times what ends up happening is when we display our faith, the offering is a great way of showing your display and a display of your faith to God. And there was a time that, that, that we see in Scripture where where Abraham had offered up an offering unto God, a burnt offering. And the, 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 the ravens, the fowl of the air tried to come and consume it. And he had to beat them off of his offering because it don't belong to them. It belongs to God. And so what I want to encourage you today is I don't know if God's giving you a confirmation of something that you've been believing for. I don't know if, if, if you've given an offering to God and, and now doubt has tried to creep in and tell you that, nah, man, it, it, it didn't matter. God didn't see that. He, he's not going to consume that. He's not going to honor that. I need you to beat doubt off of your offering. So you, any of you theologians out there that got a problem with what it is that I just shared, my testimony, I will f- gladly feel free to beat you off of it. See me at 207, Marin- no. You can have my heart. Verse 14, and Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will provide. I'm sorry. He called that place Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. We're talking about pro vision. Pro vision. Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. What did he just tell Isaac on the way up the mountain? He said, The Lord will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. The Lord will provide. So he said Jehovah Jireh before he named the place Jehovah Jireh. And what I need to tell you is that in prophesying, you need to visit the vision before the vision visits visits you. I believe, therefore I speak. The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day in the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, by myself, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Hmm. Your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. That, that, that reminds me of Psalm 127 where it talks about that children are a blessing from God. They are an inheritance. They are a heritage. They are like arrows in the quiver of a, of a mighty warrior. Blessed is he who has his quiver full. For you will not be put to shame and they shall deal with your enemies at the gate. Jehovah Jireh. I don't know if you guys know this. You guys are are any any linguists out here, but provide the word provide. Do you realize that that's a Latin derived word? Which means to see. If faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. 
That means it's not our job to make the thing seen. It's the responsibility and the job of the provider. And who is the provider? Jehovah Jireh. The God who will see to it. That's why it's faith. That's why we're operating faith. We're not supposed to see it. He's the one who can see it. Hope ain't hope if we can see what it is that we hope for. So the God who sees to it that it'll be done. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah will see to it. He will provide. He will provision. All we have to do is line up with his vision. And so here it is. We find ourselves in great need in this hour. Our pastor finds himself in great need in this hour. And if we come into great need by following God's command, that's what our pastor has been doing. He's been following God's command. He's charged to come into the city of Susun and see lives changed and lives touched and destinies changed. And so if we come into great need by following his command, he will see to it that the loss shall be recompensed. If our difficulties multiply and increase so that our way seems completely blocked up, Jehovah will see to it that the road shall be cleared. The Lord will see us through in the way of holiness if we are only willing to be thorough in it and dare to follow wheresoever he leads us. Listen, I believe, therefore I speak. That is the attitude of faith. When we look at the dialogue between Abraham and Isaac, we see the the, the language in a conversation of faith. We see the vocabulary of faith. Notice that he didn't say, son, I don't know. Notice he didn't say, you know, son, well, my bank account looks like. No, he said the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. The confident speech of a believer is akin to the language of a prophet. The man who accepts the promise of God unstaggeringly and is sure that it is true will speak like seers of old. They'll speak like the prophets of old. He will see that God sees and will declare the fact and the holy conclusion which comes of it. The believer's childlike assurance will anticipate the future and his plain statement God will provide will turn out to be the literal truth. If you want to come near being a prophet or prophesying, then hold fast to the promise of God and you shall prophesy according to the measure of faith. He that can say, I know and am sure that God will not fail me in my hour of tribulation will before long drop pearls of divine confidence and diamonds of prediction. From his lips. I don't know about you, but I'm trying to I'm trying to drop pearls of divine confidence. 
I'm trying to drop diamonds of prediction from my lips because I believe in a God. I have a relationship with the God of miracles and I've seen him do it before and I can see him do it again. And I know that my grandchildren and their children will say that my grandfather was a man of faith. And he told me, Jehovah, Jireh. Listen, choice, choice sayings which become proverbs in the church of God are not the offspring of mistrust. We don't just say that I've, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the seed begging bread because it's just we're parrots and we just repeat what we hear. No, we've, we've been there. I, look, I'm, 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 in, I'm well in my 40s and I've been young in the church and I'm now getting older and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I know there was times where I was down to my last and I thought it was the end of the world, but I'm still here. Might have gone to bed hungry, but I'm still here. I've had a house, car, and a job leave as quick as it came. And I believe that Pastor John's profession is that God will not fail me in my hour of tribulation. That he's going to come back dropping pearls of divine confidence and diamonds of prediction that he didn't have before he went into this thing. The speech of the father of the faithful became the speech of his spiritual seed for many a year afterwards. And it abides in the family of faith until this day. If we have full faith in God, we shall teach the succeeding generations to expect Jehovah's hand to be stretched out still. I don't know about you, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to a legacy and a lineage of righteousness and godliness. Can you imagine our children's children and, and, the, and, and the impact that they would have on this, this community 20 years down the line? Because we have to speak in the language of faith. We have to become fluent in faith. Jehovah Jireh, provision. We find ourselves in great need right now, and so what do we do? If we can go back to Romans chapter 8, which I started with this morning. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not withhold his son. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Did, did, isn't that what the angel said from heaven to Abraham when he blessed him? He said, because you have not withheld your son, your only son. And here it is. We see that God is for us. And nobody can be against us. And it says, he who did not spare a son, he who did not withhold his son, but delivered him up for you all. Delivered him up for all of us. How shall he not with him, with him also freely give us all things? 
don't know if you remember in your Bible, but I know in my Bible, before Jesus died and ascended, he rose and ascended, that he told the disciples, hey, look, whatever you ask in my name, it'll be done. And here it is, we see that our Heavenly Father, if you read this whole chapter, you read chapter 8, it talks about sonship, us being adopted. It's already taken care of. We've been justified, we've been adopted, we belong to him, we've been reconciled unto him, and now he's saying, now that I'm for you, nobody can be against you, and even though I didn't withhold my son, but delivered him up for all of you so that this could be possible, how shall I not with him freely give you all things. And who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So when we're praying this morning for Pastor John, when we're believing for Pastor John, all we're doing is joining good company because we're allowing the Holy Spirit to pray for us because we don't have the words to speak. And we're joining in and grabbing hands and touching and agreeing with our high priest, Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for Pastor John right now where he's at. As I come to a close, we shall all be tried and tested, but in our utmost need, God will see us, Jehovah Jireh, provide to see to it. God will see us and see to our deliverance. We don't have these sayings in the church that I'm blessed and highly favored because of, because of mistrust with God. It's because God has shown himself to be such. God has shown himself to be faithful in blessing us, even when we haven't deserved being blessed. We shall all be tried and tested, but in our utmost need, God will see us and see to our deliverance. If we will but let faith have her perfect work and will hope and quietly wait the moment when the Lord shall be seen working salvation. If we but let faith have her perfect work and will hope quietly For my note takers out there, I need you guys to write this down and I need you to hold fast to it. The Lord is the preserver of men and the provider for men. The Lord is the preserver of men and the provider for men. Listen. Pastor John has been preserved all the way up to this point by God. It's only been God. He's been to doctors and doctors and they, they, they didn't know. They were like, man, we don't, we don't, we don't know. We, we can't explain what's going on. You, you're, you, 
Our tests say you're doing worse than what you're looking. But we don't know. It's only because God's been preserving him. It's been, it's been because God has been keeping him. And the same God who has kept him and preserved him is the same God that's going to provide for him. Like I said, I don't know how it's going to happen. Whether there's a sacrifice of someone else or whether God speaks a word and, and it materializes, I don't know. But I know he's the God of miracles. And I know that, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. And he's faithful to his servants. Jehovah Jireh, the God of covenant, will see to it. The God of covenant will see to it. What I need you to see is that when Abraham and Isaac went up that mountain, to go and worship, that we see a perfect illustration of what Jesus meant when he talked about, Father, I want you to make them one as we are one. When we see the father, Abraham, when we see Isaac, the son, and the son has the wood on his back, and he's going up the mountain to make a sacrifice, the father was with him. But you're like, okay, well, what, what, what about the spirit? What did it say Abraham had in his hand? He had the fire. Because it's by the fire of the Holy Spirit that our sacrifices, our offerings are consumed. And so we see this illustration. What does the knife represent? The knife represents circumcision and covenant. That's why it says in scripture that they cut covenant. Well, I need you to understand that today that the God of covenant is still holding fast to his promise to you. He's still holding fast to his promise to Pastor John. He's still holding fast to his promise to me. Now, he is the God who sees. Though we can't see. He requires faith. Why? Because when I exhibit faith, when I speak in faith, when I when I I act in faith. It shows him that I trust him because I know that he is the God who sees. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Jehovah Jireh, the God of covenant. We'll see to it. Amen. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Y'all can praise him like he really provided for you. I don't know. Y'all clapping like your job is your provider. I don't know. I don't know. Y'all got a job that's that good because these gas prices is higher than Cholo socks. I'm just saying. He's our provider. He's our provider, whether it's a car note, whether it's a heart, whether it's that baby that you're believing for. 
He's your provider. He will see to it. Listen, all I want to know is I'm not even going to do, do a call like, like normal. I just need you to know that the altars are open right now. t I need you to sing that song again. The altars are open. And I just want to put, present this out there. If it had not been for Jehovah Jireh, the Lord providing himself a lamb for the sacrifice. None of us would be here right now. And I don't know who's in here today. You might be feeling like, like, like I've been trying to do things on my own. I didn't recognize that, that I thought I brought myself here today. I thought I made the decision to come here. No, none of us make the decision to come. All of us were like Isaac with a knife to our neck. That knife was hell in, in, in death. But the angel called out and said, stay thy hand. The Lord will provide himself a lamb for the offering. And that's what the Lord is saying to you today. That he's provided himself a lamb for you. I don't know if you understand what it meant by the sacrifice he was to make. That, that, that Isaac was, pier- was, was about to be pierced because God demanded the shedding of blood for the remission of sin. And instead, God took his son, his only son, and allowed him to be pierced for our benefit. Allowed him to be pierced for you. So you don't have to experience eternal separation. So he could reconcile you back to himself. So you might be in here and now you get, you've got a revelation of the fact of what it is that, that God has done as far as providing for you. He provided for you and you didn't even know it. Just like he did for Abraham. Look, I don't know if Abraham just so happened to stumble past that ram unnoticed, caught up in the, in the, in the thicket of the bushes. Or whether God at the last moment right when the knife was drawn, that he, he, he spoke it to be there. But we know that it was there and that it was God's provision. You don't know what it is that God saved you from. You don't know what knife God has saved you from that brought you here to this moment. But today he's not requiring a dead sacrifice. He's not even requiring blood, but he's requiring a living sacrifice. These altars are open. And you need to come and give yourself to him. If there's anybody like that, just come to the front of the altar. We'll pray with you. Because we believe that the God of miracles is here today. That the God of miracles, the most miraculous thing that he can do, even greater than a heart, is to make a dead man live. Why? Because he is the resurrection and the life.
If you're dead in your trespasses, come to the altar so that he can breathe on you and you live again. And lastly, you might be in here and you are saved. But your covenant has been compromised a bit by doubt and unbelief. Come to the altar. Receive a fresh touch. Receive the provision. Receive the God that will see to your salvation and your deliverance. Hallelujah.